Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. There's a common belief that in matters of criminal investigation, Scotland Yard stands fingerprint and microscope above the French Surete, the Italian Questura, the Russian NKVD, and even our own FBI. I've often felt that we in the USA could match malfeasance, felony, and forensic probing with anyone, anywhere. So it is with pride that we present a tale of deviousness, deceit, device, and detection in that city of American law and order, Washington, D.C. Have you no faith, Inspector? No belief that I, Andrew Wolf, could have gone straight? Andrew, you wouldn't know how. <laughs> After 40 years of embezzlement, bank robbery, every con, swindle, and heist in the book, how could you go straight? Oh, I have a surprise for you, Inspector. I have not only become a law-abiding citizen, but I'm going to help you solve a murder that hasn't happened yet. Our mystery drama, The Rivalry, based on one of the first Arsene Lupin adventures, was adapted especially for Mystery Theater by James Agate Jr. and stars John Beale and Court Benson. It is sponsored in part by Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule. I'll be back shortly with Act One. To those of us who are connoisseurs of criminal cunning, it's an axiom that patterns of wrongdoing repeat themselves. It's as though the malefactors of today have taken example from the masters of past crime. Which is why today's detectives must be as scientifically knowledgeable and unrelenting as a Father Brown, a Lord Peter Whimsey, or a Sherlock Holmes. And indeed, such a man is Inspector James. Interesting case, this. Probably the one that gave me the greatest headaches of my career. And certainly the first in which I had the assistance of a retired professional lawbreaker. Andrew Wolfe. It began one sunny afternoon on the 1st of December. Sergeant Holloway and I were sauntering down Connecticut Avenue, returning to police headquarters. Let's walk a little slower, Inspector. See that man half a block ahead of us who keeps turning around? How could I miss him? A raggedy old man wearing a straw hat in the middle of winter? He stopped now. He's bending down, tying his shoelace. I know. I've been watching him. Watching us. Let's duck over to this store window and see what he does. Look. Now he's moved over to that hardware store. He's looking into those mirrors on display. So that he can keep an eye on us back here. Now, where have I seen that crazy straw hat before? He's taking a package out of his coat, Inspector. He's put it on the sidewalk. Oh, 
I'd like to see what's in that package. Oh, hold on. Isn't what he's doing a little obvious? Obvious? It's not the package on the sidewalk that's important. He's trying to attract our attention. So why don't we take the hint and follow him? Look, there he goes, dropping another package into a trash can. And he knows we're watching. You pick up the packages, Holloway. If they're at all suspicious looking, call the bomb squad. I'll keep an eye on our man. There's something about that straw hat he's wearing that really bothers me. But, 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 but if he's up to something, why would he want the police to know about it? Sergeant, that's exactly what I'm going to find out. The old beggar hailed a cab, and I followed in another, as far as a doorway on M Street in Georgetown. Then up a flight of stairs over a bookshop. Uh, you'll forgive me for not knocking, won't you? My little room is honored by the presence of Washington's finest. I hadn't expected you for another ten minutes, though. Andrew, when I saw your scroungy-looking friend here wearing that particular straw hat, I said to myself, that's the hat. <laughs> I've seen that hat at every racetrack in the country. It belongs to Andrew Wolf. Now, how about that? You recognize my straw hat and wonder why this old bum, Louie, was wearing it. Perhaps old Louie has murdered my friend Andrew Wolfe. Yes, indeed. Inspector James had better follow and find out. I admit that was about the size of it, Andrew. <laughs> I'm touched. Uh, excuse me a moment, Inspector, while I keep a promise. Louie, thank you for inducing the Inspector to follow you. Here's the ten bucks I promised you. Goodbye, Louis. Wherever did you find that character? Inspector, in my profession, there's an army of such characters ready to do little jobs for a few dollars. And old Louis is one of them. Oh, John, he took my straw hat. He's kind of an ungrateful fellow, isn't he? Didn't even say thank you, just left. Well, Louis can't speak. He's quite dumb. And a little deaf, too. I prefer an assistant who's speechless. Gets us both into less trouble. <laughs> I thought after all those years in prison, you'd retire, Andrew. Well, but from active service, I have. Well, then why this elaborate scheme to get me here? Does the parole board have your address? You'll never forget the past, will you, Inspector? You have no faith that I, Andrew Wolfe, have gone straight. Andrew, you wouldn't know how. After 40 years of embezzlement, bank robbery... Every con and swindle and heist in the book. How could you? <laughs> so you're waiting around for me to stick my hand in somebody else's cookie jar, eh? Well, I have a surprise for you, Inspector. I'm not only a law-abiding citizen of Washington, D.C., but I'm going to become a friend of the police. I'm going to help you solve a crime. Andrew, will you get on with it? Have you had a report yet at your precinct of the murder of a young lady last night? A murder last night? No, things were pretty quiet as far as I know. Hmm. You're quite sure. A ballet dancer or an opera singer? Someone who wears a costume? A young lady? No. Supposing I told you that a murder had been committed, and it's only a matter of hours before you find out. Andrew, will you go ahead with this undiscovered murder of yours? Right. 
Last night, a friend of mine who has a little private boat business up and down the Potomac was passing under the Arlington Bridge, and a paper bag landed on his deck. Some of the contents of that paper bag fell overboard, but I have here what my friend brought me, and I thought it might interest you, Inspector. All this has something to do with a murder? All right, take a look at what I've spread out on this table. <clears throat> a piece of a crumpled and torn newspaper, right? Yeah. A cut glass inkstand with a silver top. Then a small piece of broken glass with a tiny hole in it. Two folding paper boxes, a large Dixie cup, and lastly, and most interesting exhibit... An ornate kind of red-colored shawl with a gold tassel at one end. It's the kind of thing one might see on a costume. I'd say probably was part of a costume. People haven't worn brocaded shawls for over a hundred years. Well, what do you think, Inspector? You get me up here for a look at this junk pile. You don't think it means anything? Well, sure it means something. Some jerk of a second-story amateur was getting rid of what he didn't want by tossing it over the bridge. Well, now, I'll tell you how I see it, my dear old friend. Yesterday evening, between ten and midnight, a young lady dressed in some kind of a costume was wounded with a knife and then choked to death by a well-dressed gentleman wearing a monocle and interested in horse racing, with whom this young lady had been eating a hamburger and drinking a milkshake. And to think I'm listening to all this gibberish in broad daylight. Note. The piece of newspaper is a racing form. Note. The piece of glass has a little hole in it. I'd say part of a monocle. Note. Sure, 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 sure. No one I know has worn a monocle in... Fifty years. Well, that should narrow down the field then, wouldn't you say? Note the paper boxes and the Dixie cup. The well-dressed man picked up two hamburgers and a milkshake and joined the young female who wore a costume. Perhaps they went to his apartment, perhaps to hers. Maybe late, after the show. First, he stabs her with a knife and then strangles her with his shawl. If you look closely, Inspector, you'll see on the red material darker red stains. To me, it looks like a bloody knife has been wiped on it. After the deed, our murderer has to cover his tracks, get rid of the evidence. So he wipes off the knife, picks up a piece of his monocle, which probably broke in the struggle takes a pair of scissors and cuts off this bloodied, stained part of the shawl. I'll bet you the rest of it is still in his victim's hands. He then wraps everything in a piece of the racing form he had in his pocket, adds a heavy cut-glass inkwell to weigh the parcel down, shoves it all into the paper bag he brought the food in, and over the bridge it goes. Fortunately for justice... It falls right into the hands of Andrew Wolf. Thank you, Andrew. But I've got to go. Why don't you uh, take all, all this evidence along, Inspector? It may come in useful. All right, if it'll make you happy. The only thing I'd like to hang on to is this piece of the shawl. I know you don't believe there's blood on it, 
When you've discovered the other end of it, as I say, around the victim's neck, why don't you come back here in, say, four weeks, the end of the month? Ah, New Year's Eve. And I'll give you this part to match up with it. Oh, uh, by the way, Inspector, when you arrest the fellow with the monocle, be careful. He's left-handed. Glad you showed up, Inspector. Chief was asking for you. You know those packages that the old bum in the straw hat left in the street? Don't tell me, I know. Empty boxes. <laughs> you never cease to amaze me, Inspector James. Well, did you catch up with that old bum in the straw hat? I did. I certainly did. Well, what's with the chief? A murder at the far end of Wisconsin Avenue. Top floor. 1333, uh, or 3313. The victim, a man or a woman? Uh, it's a woman. The visual surgeon is, is up there right now. Ours? Oh, yeah. When did you get the report? About an hour ago. Did you say a woman? Yes, young woman. Musical singer or ballet dancer. Uh, someone in show business. She was wearing a costume. I'll be a son of a gun. Oh, hi, James. <laughs> Welcome to another fatality. I'm uh, just about finished. Lab's on its way to take pictures. You know who it is? Well, the name on the mailbox for the top floor is Jenny Sapphire. Mm. Well, there she be. Much left of her. Oh, Lord, that's awful. A poor girl. What's she got in her hands? Let's have a look, Sergeant. A piece of red shawl. It's been cut off with scissors. Oh, no. What do you think, Doctor? Isn't the inspector miraculous? Well, James, you do fast work. Oh, it is cut with her scissors. Oh, but look at the poor girl's neck. And the expression on her face. Did you ever see such fear? Well, my conclusions are that the victim was stabbed twice with a sharp instrument, a knife, a dagger. Well, yeah, maybe even with the scissors. Yeah, and then strangled. A probable cause of death, asphyxia. Yeah, but, Doctor, there's no discoloration on the neck. Well, she may have been throttled with that shawl. The way she's hanging on to it. The hands clenched? Hmm. I wonder what happened to the uh, rest of the shawl. It's possible the murderer cut it off, Harry, because it had blood stains and fingerprints on it. Let's have a look around the apartment all the way. We worked over the case the rest of that week. Everything we came up with matched the conclusions handed me by Andrew Wolfe. It burned me up no end to think that that no-good thug had flaunted the right answers to a crime he didn't even know was committed. Or did he know? It bugged the blazes out of me that Wolf could have been right all along. And as a result, it put me into a terrible temper. Holloway! Holloway, where the devil is that man? He was here a moment ago, Inspector. Holloway! Yes, Inspector, coming. Well, it's about time. Now, you go in there and wait at my desk for me to come back, you hear? Yes, Inspector. Oh, boy. What's the matter with him, Harry? It's darned if I know. It's been coming on for days. Coming on? It's here. Every time we get to a new conclusion on the Jenny Sapphire case, the Inspector gets angrier. Day before yesterday, I found a few more pieces of glass in the, in the victim's room, and I said, hey... These all fit together. It's a monocle. Oh, you should have seen him, Harry. He hit the roof. Uh, take a look at that sheet of paper on the inspector's desk. Look at his doodling. 
He's drawing animals. Oh, what is that? Head of a dog? Oh, no. That's a pretty good likeness of a wolf. Look at those fangs. Now, why would he draw a wolf? Well, the inspector might draw an Andrew wolf if he could. You heard what Inspector James said, didn't you? That it burned him up that a man he'd sent behind bars could take a few assorted pieces of evidence and string them together to make sense. To be outwitted by an ex-felon was an indignity that no self-respecting guardian of the law could put up with. Could you? I'll be back shortly with Act Two. facing the good detective is to distinguish between hard evidence and red herrings. Henry David Thoreau, who went to jail rather than compromise his beliefs, had an amusing view of law and the lawless and used to joke about it. He said that sometimes circumstantial evidence is very strong as when you find a trout in the milk. However, Inspector James doesn't think this such a laughing matter. Some more background on the Sapphire case, Inspector. All right, let's have it. Well, I checked the place where she worked. The old music hall at the end of the alley behind Wisconsin Avenue. Her boss, a Billy Jacobs, told me she'd been to Russia about two years ago on a State Department exchange program and brought back with her a very expensive sapphire. Some bigwig over there gave it to her, he said. A sapphire? That's right. That's why she took it for a stage name. Did anyone besides her boss know she had it? Well, I asked him that, and he, he didn't know. Well, at least we now have a possible motive behind the killing. Robbery? <laughs> you bet it's robbery. That's why our apartment was turned upside down. At least this is one piece of evidence old Andrew didn't know about. Uh, Andrew who? Oh, never mind. Boys, I think we're beginning to crack this case. First things first. I had to tackle those who knew Jenny Sapphire. So I called the old music hall and asked for the boss, Billy Jacobs. He wouldn't be in till that night during the second show. I got there at nine and waited in the wings for him. You wanted to see me, Inspector. Are you Billy Jacobs? <laughs> Impressive. The one and only. I'd like to know all you can tell me about Jenny Sapphire. Wonderful girl. Great loss. She'll be missed. And? After I told your sergeant the other day about as much as I know, he told you, didn't he, uh, how she got her name? And that Russian sapphire she brought back. A oh. hey, big son of a gun it was. Of course, Jenny was a beautiful girl. And I won't tell you that. Was, uh, was Miss Sapphire married? Not so far as I know. Had a lot of boyfriends? <laughs> you kidding? Talented, beautiful. She was young, pretty. She sang, she danced. She'd been with me a couple of years, since, uh, since she was 17. So what I'm saying is, uh, she attracted a lot of attention. So she had many admirers, huh? Well, at least uh, twice a week. Any one in particular? 
steady interest? Uh, Inspector, when I tell you this man's name, uh, I don't want you to say you ever get it from me. Not that I owe the man anything, but he's so high up on the government that if he thought I told you, oh, oh, oh boy, you know, he's got influence. Oh, you're probably not the only one who knows his identity. Oh, yeah. I think I am. At least so far as Jenny is concerned. No one around here ever saw him. He never came to the show. He went outside in a big black car. She's drawn. And she ran out to climb in. But I should know who he was. Hey, Inspector. Let's go into my office where it's quieter, okay? The man's name is Robert Clay. You mean the Robert Clay? He used to be a congressman and became an ambassador? Yeah, the same. He's the one who used to pick up Jenny Sapphire in his car every night? Well, not every night, but after the performance, maybe I'd say three times a week. What's he... Clay doing now? Well, I don't remember. He's retired. Said he was through with politics. Spends a lot of his time at the racetrack. Yeah, that, that post in Moscow was the last one he had. Of course. That's where he must have met Jenny Sapphire, in Moscow. Mr. Jacobs... Uh, now, listen, you call me Billy, Inspector. Everyone does. Oh, Billy. Billy, that last night when Jenny played here at the old music hall, do you remember anything particular about it? Matter of fact, I do. She came in uh, earlier than usual for the second show, second evening show. Yeah. And she asked me, would I get her two burgers uh, malted uh, for when she came off at 10.15? I say, oh, yeah, sure. She say, hold them for me at the stage door, Billa, and I'll take them with me. So I did. And then when she came down to rest, I handed her the bag, and she said, I'll pay you tomorrow, Billy. And she ran out, jumped in the guy's car. And that was the last I ever saw of her. The net was closing in. It was too bad that the murderer hadn't bought the burgers and the mullet himself. That might have given us a witness. But I knew I didn't have enough to tie Clay or anyone else to the murder. Not one solitary fingerprint. And then suddenly, I began to suspect Andrew Wolfe. Had he deliberately laid a smoke screen across the trail? Police headquarters, Inspector James speaking. How are you doing, Inspector? Is that you, Andrew? Two weeks more, and I hope to see you with the other part of that shawl. What did you call me for, Andrew? Oh, now, now I detect a certain testiness in your voice. The case isn't getting you down, is it? I'm very busy. If you're having a hard time trying to tie a suspect to the evidence, may I suggest something? Go ahead. 
suggest? I don't want to interfere, but just a thought. Suggest, suggest. Remember, I want to see you New Year's Eve with the other half of that red shawl. I'm under no obligation to bring you anything. Well, of course you're not, Inspector. If I were you, I'd double-check that piece of newspaper, the racing guide. If I remember, it had a yellow paper tag on it, which might be useful. Goodbye. I could have killed that rascal. He was right. That's what made me so angry. I got out that piece of the racing form he'd given me, and there was a yellow address tag on it. Whoever it belonged to was a subscriber to the sheet. The name had been torn off, but a few numbers remained. I put Holloway onto it. He came back in a few hours. You won't believe this, Inspector. Sergeant, were they able to identify the subscriber or not? I presume what you gave me is something to do with the Jenny Sapphire murder? To whom did the paper belong, Holloway? To Robert Clay. You know who he is. Our former ambassador to Russia. I know, I know. Oh, come on, Inspector, why don't you let me in on this? I don't follow you. Oh, this isn't a simple old murder case involving a music hall entertainer and a politician. This has got international implications. Oh, don't you trust me? Do, do, do you think that the State Department will let us work with them? Fergus Holloway, what in blazes are you talking about? International complications, State Department. The inkwell. The inkwell. One of those items in the box marked evidence, case 3536, the Sapphire case. The chopped up shawl, the burger cartons, and so on. Well, the glass inkwell. I had it checked out. The inkwell. Well, I knew you wanted me to. I have to do some things without being told. It's Russian. Russian glass. Silver hinged top with a Russian inscription on it. So it's an antique inkwell. Jenny could have picked it up as a souvenir. Or when she was in Russia, maybe she even knew Clay. Maybe he gave it to her. But just the same, you have given me an idea about something very peculiar. I have, Inspector? When it was checked for fingerprints, what did the lab report? No fingerprints. Nothing. What Holloway had helped me realize was whoever had murdered Jenny Sapphire had wiped that inkwell very carefully. Certainly since the days of the Tsar, someone should have left fingerprints. Harry, have a look at these photographs. That is Robert Clay, former congressman, former ambassador to Russia, now a Georgetown resident. How would you size him up? You're an expert on physiognomy. Uh, tough, disappointed, playboy, maybe. Could be cruel. <laughs> oh, that monocle. Is he kidding? It's an affectation. Oh, uh, maybe. That monocle is made to order by a firm right here in Washington. They make all of Clay's monocles. The prescription is identical with this one. I'll show you. I'll dump the pieces out of the envelope. You recognize these pieces? Well, of course I do. Holloway picked them up from the floor near Jenny Sapphire's body. All except this one piece. 
The one with the little hole at the edge. I got that from an informant. Oh, oh yes. Well, uh, that must be a hole through which they string the thread you put around your neck. Harry, I think we've enough evidence here to put a much heavier cord around someone's neck. However, you're telling me that this man, this uh, Robert Clay, knifed and strangled Jenny Sapphire? I got a real strong hunch, yes. (laughs) But you don't have a motive. If he needed money, she owned a Sapphire worth a great deal. Maybe he gave it to her. Maybe he wanted it back. Losses at the racetrack. We don't know yet. He's hidden the stone. He turned the place upside down. Must be an angle. That could be it. The angle. Could you tell from the angle of the knife thrusts how strong the attacker was? Oh, quite strong. Oh, yeah. Hmm? Was he very close to her? Yeah, just close enough. Anything else? Well, there uh, weren't serious wounds, mind you. It was the strangling that caused her death. You know, I always thought it strange the way we found her holding on to that shawl for dear life. At least the part that wasn't cut away. I haven't figured that either. Harry, think now about the assailant. Do you know anything else? Yes. But I think I told you, didn't I? The uh, murderer was left-handed. Interesting belief about left-handedness, which since early days has been linked with the sinister. A left-handed compliment, even today, is considered malicious or insincere. It begins to dawn on Inspector James that the man he is looking for may not only be left-handed, but two-faced. I shall return shortly with Act Three. your attention has been wandering, let me capsulize. Andrew Wolfe, a retired criminal, gives his old nemesis, Inspector James, a number of material clues which make it appear that a man once in high political office may have caused the death of a music hall entertainer. The problem is that no one has yet identified the suspect as having anything to do with the victim. Much hearsay, but no fact. And so we find the inspector burning the midnight oil at police headquarters puzzling out a solution. Police headquarters. Inspector James speaking. You're up late, aren't you, Inspector? Andrew, what do you want? Just to be helpful. After all, I'm looking forward to our meeting New Year's Eve. It's a little early to wish me Happy New Year. You're having trouble getting proof positive, aren't you, Inspector? You've a suspect, but it's not open and shut. Now, this business is never easy. Retrace your steps, Inspector. Someone may have been lying to you. Good night. Hello, Mr. Jacobs. Oh, well, Inspector. Hey, you're too late. Uh, last show's over. Everyone's gone home. Ah, I'm just checking the receipts. That's you have come to see, Billy. Do you remember identifying the two little boxes in which you... Brought some hamburgers to the theater? Yeah, yeah, I do. And a malted milk yeah. for Jenny. Well, I'd like you to come down to police headquarters with me now and let us take your fingerprints. Yeah, my fingerprints? Well, why? I, I haven't done anything. Well, if I were less than honest, Billy, I'd tell you it's uh, purely routine, but it's not. 
You mean now? This time of night? Of course, you're going to find my fingerprints on those boxes. I handle them. True. Then again, we might find your prints somewhere else. What do you mean? Well, shall we say in Miss Sapphire's room? Yeah, I was never in her room. I swear I have never. The night Miss Sapphire died, you weren't there? Billy, it'd be much easier for you if you'd tell me the truth. How did you know? Why didn't you tell me before? It was easier to say it happened the way I said it did. I didn't want to get involved. Go on, Billy. The first part was all true. About Jenny asking me to pick up her stuff. But I guess she was so excited about a date that she ran out the stage door before I could stop her. So anyway, after the theater was empty, I walk over to where she lived. Top floor, number 1333, Wisconsin. I knock on her door and I say, Hey, Jenny, I brought you hamburgers. You forgot them. And this man opened the door. He was a boyfriend, I guess. It was the first time I'd ever seen him. He took the bag from me. He nodded. He goes back in. Then I hear Jenny call out. Thank you, Billy. That was real sweet of you. Good night. She was alive then, Inspector. I hear her voice. And then I walked away. Now, that's the real truth. I show you a photograph, Billy. Was this the man who answered the door? Yeah, yeah. That's him, all right. Those are the ABCs of investigation. Sometimes you have to bluff your way to the truth. Billy Jacobs had left no fingerprints in Jenny Sapphire's room. But then again, he might not have been above helping himself to a valuable sapphire. However, as they say, the finger of suspicion pointed directly elsewhere. Uh, yes, gentlemen. Mr. Robert Clay? Uh, yes, that is me. Uh, we're from the Washington police. I'm Inspector James, and this is Sergeant Holloway. Oh, well, uh, I would like to help you gentlemen, but I am just on my way out. Uh, you'll excuse me. Well, this won't take long, Mr. Clay, and it's a rather urgent matter. I'm afraid I can't talk to you now. Slam the door right in our face. Shall I break it down, Inspector? I'm afraid we're going to have trouble. Holloway, go around back and cut him off in case he tries to leave that way. I'll hit the call box for some more men. Mr. Clay? I'm Sergeant Holloway. I can see you're opening the back door a crack. Now, let me warn you that to try to run for it only makes your case worse. Now, why don't you just come out peaceably? I won't be harassed this way. Do you hear me? Mr. Clay, I ask that you cooperate with us. It'll make it easier all around. Now, now, would you just mind opening the back door wide and standing away from it? Now, don't you come any nearer, whoever you are. I haven't got the slightest compunction in defending myself with this crowbar. Now, Mr. Clay, don't be childish. We mean you no harm. Holloway, duck! He's got a gun in his left hand! No one was hit. I had Andrew Wolfe to thank for warning me that the man I wanted was left-handed. It was with that hand he had fired. Holloway and I rushed him and disarmed him. And by 9 o'clock that morning, we had Clay in custody. You know I have the right to consult my attorney before answering any questions. Now, I have put in a call to him, but he is not yet at his office. Uh, let us get this over with. I want you to know, Mr. Clay, that I've sent Sergeant Holloway with a warrant around to your house. What for? To search for anything that would link you to the murder of Jenny Sapphire. I do not know what you are talking about. 
Jenny Sapphire had a four-week singing engagement in Moscow when I believe you were there as ambassador. I uh, didn't know any Jenny Sapphire. At that time, she called herself Jenny Hart. I understand all exchanges of Soviet and American artists were known to your office. You never met Jenny in Russia? No. I have asked a witness who has identified a photograph of yours to be present. Well, what does that prove? I have had my picture taken. Have him in. Let's get this over with. Turn around in your chair and face the wall, Mr. Clay. I shall address you as Mr. Jones. Mr. Jacobs, would you come in, please? Mr. Jacobs, you told me that you believed Miss Sapphire and a certain gentleman knew one another. Where did you get that information? I, I, I don't know exactly, Inspector. I mean, uh, I heard it, and I assume the man she was seeing regularly was that gentleman. Will you turn around, Mr. Jones? Mr. Jacobs, I ask you now to take a look at this gentleman. Have you ever seen him before? Uh, I'm not sure. The man I saw in the evening clothes and uh, that, um, he, what you call it, uh, in the eye. Uh, Mr. Jones, I notice you have a black silk cord from your lapel to your handkerchief pocket. Is that a, a monocle? Uh, yes, it is. Would you mind placing it in your eye? No, not your right eye, your left eye. That's where you usually wear it, isn't it? Can you identify the gentleman now, Mr. Jacobs? No, I, I, I wish I could be more positive, but I can't. There's no similarity to the man you saw in the doorway of Miss Sapphire's apartment? I, I wouldn't say no. It might be him, but I couldn't swear to it. You want to see me, Chief? Uh, sit down, James. About the Sapphire case. It's been a week since you picked up Robert Clay. I think we'll have to drop the charges against him. Why so? His attorneys produced a pretty hard alibi for the night in question. He turned up a ticket stub and a program for a concert at the center. That concert lasted till half past midnight, so Clay couldn't have picked up Miss Sapphire at the music hall at 10.30. She went with someone in a car. It wasn't him. Moreover... There are a number of young men in the diplomatic service who wear monocles, four of them actually living in Georgetown. Those daggers found in the clay house, they're clean and inconclusive. So what do we have? Half of a shawl with a tassel, no blood, no fingerprints on it except the victims. If we could lay our hands on the other half of the shawl, maybe we'd have a case. The other half. We have no case against Clay. So I'm notifying his attorneys we're dropping the charges. Charge, uh, Chief, can you wait till tomorrow? What'll happen tomorrow? You had almost a month. I think I can come up with the evidence you need. What, the, the other end of the show? Yes. Is this a hunch? It's more than that. But I need one thing. Would you authorize the property clerk to release to me... A half of the shawl we found in Jenny Sapphire's hands. <laughs> Why not? James, I, I don't know what you're up to, but I wish you luck. Andrew Wolfe had said, you'll be coming to see me on December 31st with the other half of the shawl. Then I'll let you have this piece. I hated like anything to find myself obeying this devil, but I had to. 
<laughs> Was I right about the show? Cut in half with scissors? Right on the button. Frankly, Inspector, I consider this caper the epitome of my career. Did you bring the shawl? I did. The half that was in the victim's hands. Have you the other half? Right in this bag. All right, let's compare. Let's put them on the table. Spread yours out on the right. And let the tassel hang over the edge. Right. And I'll spread mine on the left. Well, well. Inspector know-it-all, wasn't I right? Scissor cuts correspond exactly. Hmm? Let me show you something else. Come to the window. I'll hold my piece of the shawl against the glass. What do you see? Great Scott, this was it. You see what I see, don't you? The mark of five fingers and a palm. Bloody fingerprints. <laughs> what did I tell you? It's the evidence. If those prints will show up. The murderer held that shawl with the same blood-stained hand with which he stabbed the victim. Yes, a very clear imprint of a left hand. All right, take this half. It's yours. I promised it to you, and good luck and good hunting in your laboratory. Andrew, I was angry with you. Furious, in fact. But in all truth, I have to admit, no more. I wanted to have a look at that piece of the shawl the victim had. Let me see it for a moment, will you? Now, don't be afraid. I'll, I'll give it back. Sure. Here you are. Ah, almost identical to the half thrown off the bridge. Tassel and everything. Will you look at that tassel? She must have made this shawl herself. You know, I examined the piece I had, and inside the tassel I found a sacred medal. She must have stitched into it. Touching, isn't it? What are you doing to the other tassel? Be careful of that half. Don't, don't smudge those fingerprints. Oh, I won't, I won't. Interesting the way these tassels are made. Braided gold cord wound around a tiny wooden cup. Big enough to hold a medal or anything. Even a sapphire. Will you look at that? <laughs> Beautiful, isn't it? Did you ever see a stone this perfect? This size? Give that back to me. It's part of police evidence. Just think, that poor girl had hidden the only thing precious to her. Andrew, hand it over. You give that sapphire back or I'll... Oh, what, you idiot. Did you think I handed you all that evidence for nothing? A murder has been committed for this stone. For four weeks, I've kept you on the move and you never even guessed. Now, you listen to me, my friend. I've given you five fingerprints of a left hand for your trouble. You can have the murderer, and I'll have the sapphire. And so the curtain descends on today's Theater of the Mind, where you see 